If you're tired of these promos, regular supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv and sign up for Patreon or Subscribestar at any level. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of April 26, 2020. The podcast that will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's degratiate the news of the bogus. One of the worst parts of the Patriot Act has always been Section 215, although it's by no means the only bad part. This is the part that authorized bulk collection of internet and phone metadata, leading to the exact abuses that Edward Snowden revealed. Permission to collect and use this data is given through secret FISA courts and ex parte hearings, and the only question is whether an analyst is 51% confident the person being surveilled is outside the U.S. It's basically a rubber stamp. A sunset was placed on Section 215, and that expired on March 15th. Unlike other times the sunset has come up, Congress failed to act to renew it. That's good, but it's leaving everyone with the question, now what? It'd be nice to think that was it and Section 215 was no longer law. It'd be even nicer to think that the federal government won't just go ahead and keep doing it anyway regardless. Both of those might be wishful thinking. As the EFF points out, in 2015 these provisions expired for a short period of time and then Congress reauthorized them. During that period, the bulk metadata collection continued unabated. They wrote, While transparency is still lacking in how these programs operate, the intelligence community did not report a disruption in any of these critical programs at that time. If Congress chooses to reauthorize these programs in the next couple of months, it's unlikely that this disruption will have a lasting impact. One of the Snowden revelations that got a lot of attention was about PRISM, the NSA's internet spying program collecting information from companies like Google, Apple, and Facebook. Even one of the champions of the Patriot Act, Jim Sensenbrenner, said that this was abuse of the system and went too far. Back in 2013, he wrote in The Guardian, Technically, the administration's actions were lawful insofar as they were done pursuant to an order from the FISA court. But based on the scope of the released order, both the administration and the FISA court are relying on an unbounded interpretation of the act that Congress never intended. Another program, Stellar Wind, ended in 2011, even though the Bush administration had previously defended its legality. But the NSA didn't stop the bulk email data collection the program engaged in, they just found other ways of doing it. So unfortunately, no matter what happens with Section 215, it appears we might be stuck with this freedom-hating, unconstitutional crap. are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit, and so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. 
Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. So a lot of us are wondering when the COVID epidemic is going to be over with so things can get back to normal. So much is placed on what interventions are done to what degree and for how long, but to at least one analyst, it actually doesn't matter. Isaac Ben Israel, chairman of Israel's National Council for Research and Development, says that the disease maxes out after about 40 days and declines to almost nothing after 70, regardless of where it strikes or what government measures are put in place to try and stop it. I couldn't find the actual time the 40 days was supposed to start from, but the first coronavirus death in the U.S. was on February 29th. 40 days after that would be April 9th, and looking at the graphs on worldometer.info, that does seem to be about the point where the number of new cases leveled off, maybe a bit earlier. 70 days would be the 9th of May, so we'll see, I guess. Ben Israel supports social distancing, but says that the shuttering of economies all over the world was a complete mistake. He says this analysis is supported by numbers from countries like Sweden, Taiwan, and Singapore, which didn't shutter their economies and seem to be seeing things happen in the same time frame. Not everyone was convinced. He was engaged in a bitter exchange on Israeli TV by Professor Gabi Barbash, Director General at Tel Aviv Sarasky Medical Center, who claimed that the death tolls would have been much higher without the lockdown. It should be said that Ben Israel's analysis doesn't seem to talk about the overall death toll, just the time frame in which it takes for things to peter out. Barbash pointed to New York as proof Ben Israel was mistaken, but Ben Israel pointed out that the data from New York showed that they did peak and start to fall after 40 days, and it does indeed look like the peak in New York was around April 8th. But why should this be the case? Why shouldn't it make all the difference in the world when non-essential businesses are shut down? Ben Israel said, I have no explanation. There are all kinds of speculations. Maybe it's related to climate, or the virus has a lifespan of its own. He did blame the lockdowns on, quote, mass hysteria, and said that the social distancing was more than enough to protect people from the virus. As to why it's caused such a high death toll in Italy, he responded that Israel's health service was already overwhelmed because of a bad flu season. At the start of all this, I said on this very podcast we needed to be careful because the things you do to prevent the spread of a pandemic have costs of their own. The worst part of all of this is that this perspective doesn't even seem to be permitted. Of course government needs to lock everything down. Except, maybe it doesn't. We'll know for sure in hindsight, and hopefully we'll learn our lesson for when the next pandemic hits. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. 
Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. So we keep covering over and over again how the big media companies keep holding ISPs accountable for copyright infringement committed by their users. If you're wondering how that passes muster with Section 230, well, Section 230 was passed in 1996, but was completely abrogated with copyright in 1998 with the passage of the DMCA. So now, they legally have to act on copyright claims, not when they're court orders or anything, but solely on the say-so of some media company. And if they don't, they'll lose their safe harbor. Well, as Charter Communications, among others, found out, even when you do act on DMCA claims, you can still be held liable if the media companies feel you haven't done enough. And sadly, Charter is losing their fight against this horrendous, mercantilist, guilty until proven innocent, actually you can't even prove innocence policy. Several music companies, including Capitol Records, Warner Brothers, and Sony Music, filed suit against Charter last year, arguing that they failed to terminate or otherwise take meaningful action, whatever that means, against the accounts of repeat infringers, even though absolutely nothing in the law requires them to do so. They pierced this veil by claiming that Charter profits from the activities of infringers, but it doesn't, nor, as they explained in detail, do they have any real means of controlling them. U.S. District Court Judge R. Brooke Jackson ruled against Charter despite Charter's arguments being backed by 23 law professors in an amicus curiae brief. Charter had argued that they didn't make any more money from customers who engaged in infringement than they did from customers who obeyed the law. Not good enough for Judge Jackson who ruled, quote, I find no case, and Charter has provided no case, suggesting that Charter must have benefited more from infringing subscribers than from non-infringing subscribers, or that the infringing subscribers paid more than non-infringing subscribers. Hey, moron! That isn't how the law works! The law must specify the conditions where someone is acting contrary to the law, not the other way around! Similarly, Charter's argument that piracy wasn't any bigger a draw to their service than to any other use was rejected by Judge Jackson, who said it only had to be a draw. Quote, Plaintiffs must only allege that the ability to download their infringing content served as a draw, not necessarily the only draw to subscribers. I find that plaintiffs' allegations are sufficient to show that the ability to download infringing content served as a draw. Charter also argued that they have no ability to discern which behaviors are infringing and which are law-abiding, and that they can't identify and police subscribers who are engaging in piracy. But Judge Jackson ruled, Charter can certainly limit its subscribers' ability to infringe by blocking their access to the internet through Charter. I find that this is sufficient to allege that Charter has the ability to control infringement. Uh, stupid head! How are they supposed to block access to infringers if they can't tell who the infringers are? Idiot. At any rate, all of this is indirect. That means that Charter cannot possibly be guilty of direct infringement, right? Think again, or at least think like Judge Jackson, which is apparently not at all. Quote, Charter's profit comes directly from subscriptions, and it is the subscribers themselves who engage infringement. 
Thus, Charter receives a financial benefit directly from those engaged in infringement. Okay, Jackson, you're just making up crap now. Oh, by the way, you know what is relevant according to him? The fact that the plaintiffs are big, quote, Plaintiffs allege that they own the rights to some of the world's most famous and popular music, including both classical music and contemporary superstars, as well as the copyrights to large catalogs of iconic musical composition and modern hit songs. I agree with plaintiffs that the volume and popularity of plaintiffs' copyrighted works, the commonality of infringing downloading, and the frequency that plaintiffs' works in particular are downloaded allow for the reasonable inference that at least some of Charter subscribers were drawn by the ability to to infringe on plaintiffs' works. Are there any judges who aren't in the back pockets of the big media conglomerates? Charter now faces liability as an active contributor to copyright infringement. This is how it is currently with copyright. Now imagine if Section 230 is abolished and they can do this kind of thing with any internet service about any subject. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to de-demnify this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week, Nancy Pelosi takes her second on top of the two idiot extraordinaires she's received for reiterating a long-debunked quote mine, in other words, lie, that Donald Trump said that the COVID-19 outbreak was a hoax. Pelosi said on the 19th, quote, I'm afraid he's going to act on the set basis of what he's acted before. It's a hoax. It's magically going to disappear. And that's why I sent out the letter that I did after Easter. Easter gave me time for reflection and prayerfulness about, okay, we don't want to keep harping on what he did wrong because he's failed. He's failed in the testing and the rest, and it's a hoax. It's going to magically disappear. That's not based on science. This isn't magical. This is scientific. And his earlier delay and denial caused deaths. Even websites like PolitiFact and the Washington Post have debunked this claim. PolitiFact rated it false on March 3rd, a month and a half before Pelosi's comments. They quoted Trump in full context, saying, One of my people came up to me and said, Mr. President, they tried to beat you on Russia, Russia, Russia. That didn't work out too well. They couldn't do it. They tried the impeachment hoax. That was not a perfect conversation. They tried everything. They tried it over and over. They'd been doing it since you got in. It's all turning. 
They lost. It's all turning. Think of it. Think of it. And this is their new hoax. So he wasn't talking about the coronavirus itself, but the Democrats trying to use it against him, like he clarified the next day, quote, Hoax referring to the action that Democrats take to try and pin this on somebody because we've done such a good job. The hoax is on them, not, I'm not talking about what's happening here, I'm talking about what they're doing. That's the hoax. But the way they refer to it, because these people have done such an incredible job, and I don't like it when they are criticizing these people. And that's the hoax. That's what I'm talking about. The Biden campaign had released an edited video on Twitter of Trump saying, Coronavirus. This is their new hoax. This is quote mining and dishonesty worthy of the creationists. The Washington Post gave the claim four Pinocchios, quote, The full quote shows Trump is criticizing Democratic talking points and the media's coverage of his administration's response to coronavirus. He never says that the virus itself is a hoax, and although the Biden camp included the word there, the edit does not make clear to whom or to what Trump is referring. By the way, as for Trump's earlier delay in denial, which caused deaths, the Trump administration restricted travel from China the day after the WHO declared a global health emergency. On February 24th, he asked Congress for $1.25 billion for the coronavirus response. And all that was prior to the first U.S. coronavirus death on the 29th. So she's a liar for that as well. She was the one, actually, who held up a lot of the response and stimulus bills for purely political reasons, as well as distracting from coronavirus with a bogus impeachment. She has to be one of the most despicable human beings on the planet. So all of that makes Nancy Pelosi this week's biggest bogan emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmoo, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmoo dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's flogestate this week's Idiot And this week it goes to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, and let's face it, he's given us a lot to criticize him about with regards to the coronavirus response. But check this out. He handed down an executive order saying, Effective at 8 p.m. on Friday, April 17, 2020, any individual who is over age 2 and able to medically tolerate a face covering shall be required to cover their nose and mouth with a mask or cloth face covering when in a public place and unable to maintain or when not maintaining social distance. Okay, so libertarians would have a problem with that on principle, but other than that you might be wondering, what's so idiotic about this? Well, the problem is this existing New York law. 
being masked or in any manner disguised by unusual or unnatural attire or facial alteration, loiters, remains, or congregates in a public place with other persons so masked or disguised, or knowingly permits or aids persons so masked or disguised to congregate in a public place. In other words, it is illegal in New York to wear a mask around other people who are wearing masks, which means, well, I'll let public defender Sam Feldman explain, who tweeted, As of 8 p.m. tonight, wearing a mask in public places around other people who are also wearing masks is both forbidden and required by New York law. I'm sure the police will enforce these contradictory mandates in a completely rational and non-discriminatory fashion. Yes, Cuomo is ordering New Yorkers to break the law. In fact, Cuomo himself may be a lawbreaker by, quote, knowingly permitting or aiding persons so masked or disguised to congregate in a public place. This is judicial confusion and selective enforcement waiting to happen. New York has actually been one of the worst places for selective enforcement, particularly against minorities who have already seen selective persecution for supposed violations against social distancing. But I'm sure this won't ever be a problem, with a black guy with his hands up confused when one officer screams for him to remove his mask while the other screams to keep it on. Nothing bad can come from that. So all of that makes Andrew Cuomo this week's Idiot Extraordinary. Well, that wraps up this Where the Hell Are We? edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please keep this podcast going by subscribing and supporting in one of several different ways you can find at donate.bogosity.tv, including PayPal, cryptocurrency, or subscribing at Patreon or Subscribestar to listen early and ad-free. Also, please come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from L. Neil Smith. Flags are the calling card of plunderers, rapists, and murderers in funny hats and clown suits, pretending to be benefactors, protectors, and healers. If history demonstrates anything more clearly than that, I don't know what it is. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit, and so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now.